0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lovely Travels podcast.
1: Hi, everyone. Yes, very excited. We have a special guest this week as well.
0: We sure do. Her name is Eleanor Gabriel.
1: Yeah, and she's a comedian. We actually met through uh, doing – we actually met through promo originally and then we um, sort of reunited at the comedy festivals. But she's a comedian and – It's a bit on hold at the moment, but she otherwise is usually touring the world with Story Party Tour, which is super exciting. But she's also trained in musical theatre at Australia's prestigious National Institute of Dramatic Art, also known as NIDA. And I can attest to the fact that she's an accomplished singer and comedian. Her voice is incredible. I really should have got her to sing on this episode. But, yeah, tour's currently paused, but they are planning their next international comedy dating show story party true dating stories told live sorry they performed 330 times in 65 countries in 2018 wow. in one year they went to 65 countries
0: that's 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 a great fact there thanks Emma
1: <laughs> thanks thanks to Eleanor for achieving said fact
0: <laughs> yeah so everyone uh, enjoy this episode uh, great conversation between Emma and Eleanor and uh, yeah have fun.
1: Here we go. Very excited today to be welcoming a special guest. She is a traveller extraordinaire. I don't even want to name how many countries she's been to in the last few years, but her name is Eleanor Gabriel and she's a comedian, singer, performer and runs her own podcast. But I'll let you introduce yourself because you'll do it a lot better, Eleanor. So tell me about you.
2: Thanks. Um, well, yeah. So I, uh, I'm a comedian, storyteller, um, singer, um, and I yeah, run a podcast that goes alongside the touring show that we've done. So 2018, we did 354 shows in 300 in, in a year and did it in 65 countries. So we, and then pretty much kept up nearly the same pace. We did 250 shows in 2019. And then this year, we were looking at about 200, but obviously because of reasons, we uh, we can't do that anymore. But uh, so it was constantly like I was always traveling and just a, a traveling performer, basically, is who I am.
1: Wow. So story party. Yes. Yes. So I actually got to see it in Brisbane, which was really fun because I travel a lot too. And we've, we've had times where we've either been like chasing each other's tail, we've I've been going somewhere and you were coming later or you'd just been somewhere and I was about to arrive. So it was just like amazing that you were coming to my home area and I happened to actually be home.
2: Yeah, that was actually incredible, because I remember we'd always just check in with each other every couple of months, and it was like, where are you? And you're like, I'm in, like, this country, and you're like, where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm in Egypt, where am I? And it <laughs> yeah. just never worked out, but uh, eventually it did, and I'm, I'm very glad that you came along to the show. It was uh, it was nice to see you there. Oh, it
1: was so good. It was quite an eventful one. Remember, there was a bit of
2: there was a uh, fight. Oh, that was the fight one. <laughs> I couldn't remember if that was – was that the one where the girl did a shui as well, where she drank the – Beer from the f- no, that was the night before. Yeah, no, I Brisbane think is always a r- ratchet place to do a show, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had two women have a million a punch on. At that. I think that was the first time, yeah,
1: she, she put a puncher in the back of the head or something. It was really like, and you pull, you guys are front of
2: the stage it's just like whoa, whoa, whoa. it was crazy it was I just we've never had that like in any country <laughs> event you know it's like I'm I'm being I come back to Australia I feel so proud and then that happens I'm like oh good welcome back home your co-host so as
1: well is just like going all over the world and they're just like
2: welcome oh no his favorite place is to perform is Australia he, he loves it here so it's like because people are just like don't give a shit they're so like yeah, whatever goes it happens <laughs> it happens so yeah
1: yeah, the stories that night were pretty good. It was like, and you think you're so hilarious as well like because you ask the audience for stories. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that you explained the premise of the show, but I remember writing down your story and you think you're so funny. Everybody's yeah. got this story and then somebody goes up and you're like, oh, yeah, I had nothing on that.
2: <laughs> exactly, yeah. So we get the audience, we tell our dating stories at the start, the first half of the show, and then we get the audience to write down their stories as well. So it's also an like an amazing experience because not only – like, do we get to sort of share our kind of comedy and our storytelling with the audience in all these different countries, but we also really gain an understanding of their culture through their dating stories because they write them down during interval and then we read them out or we get audience storytellers up on stage. So in terms of the question I always get asked is like, when we go to these places, like, have you seen this church or have you seen this landmark? And we're like, for us, it's like, yeah, like you can see it, but for like, we get more, of a travel experience from the people in the audience and hearing that sort of culture in the dating life and what comes out in that way, which is really interesting too.
1: And it's very different like you, um, because you were living in Berlin in Germany and you said like it's just such a different dating scene
2: to Australia. Totally. Totally. And, and, and the same thing for me, like you would always be curious as to why stereotypes existed. And for me, I was like, you know, why, why are Canadians so nice? Like they are <laughs> just so nice. And the best dating stories we get from pretty much all around the world is from Canada because they are so nice and they just stay on these dates with these people. Like the amount that I've heard from Canadian women about like going on a date with someone who just got out of jail and then like always like on the run or like you know just like all this kind of weird stuff. And Like, why did you stay? And they're like, oh, it's just you know, it's just like the middle. You know. And it was like, a, yeah, it was, it was Canadians, it was really yeah, crazy.
1: they are very lovely, chilled people. I would say my funny, like, probably my weirdest. I love them, love them to death. They're our neighbors, uh, New Zealand, but would not date a New Zealand guy, like any guy, New Zealand guy hooked up with just went weird just got weird and I was just like it's so similar it's so
2: different you know what no it's like the same thing with the audiences in New Zealand because I went straight into New Zealand audiences thinking they're exactly like Australia and I was like yeah like and then it was just dead silent and actually along the comedy circuit I think um even people like Jimmy Carr and stuff like these top comedians like don't like performing in New Zealand uh, because the audiences and even my friends who are Kiwi and they're comedians and they're like yeah it's it's not not great like I got heckled in uh, Hamilton in New Zealand by a woman who was just like heckling me the entire time and I was like I was like I have never been heckled by a a woman and b like in New Zealand of all places like yeah. you, think, you know but um yeah it was funny
1: yeah no and it, like you just I think people you, you make assumptions because we on the surface look similar, like say in yeah. the UK as well, it looks, it appears similar, but the cultural differences are massive. And, um, you know, even to like, I really missed when I lived in the UK, I used to go out with my friends a lot and I was really close to them, but I would never ever consider reaching over with my fork and eating something off their plate. Um, <laughs> you know, or like we'd go out for dinner, there were 11 girls, mm-hmm. nine of them would order the same pizza and then yeah. two would order a different dish. But nobody would think to go, oh, you're, you're ordering that pizza? Oh, well, shit. And the day after I got back home, I went out for dinner with my high school girlfriends, and subconscious, didn't even think about it, or the girl didn't even think about it, just reached over and took nachos off my plate. And I was like, you yeah. I'm
2: home, I love you, I love this. Yeah, it's little little things like that that you, I think as well, you assume even in Britain and stuff, like when I was living there for a little bit, you kind of just assume like we're all the same. It's like, oh, you know, we're from the same people, but it's like, oh, no, like... You know, Australians are still quite unrefined in, in <laughs> comparison to uh, the same thing with with America. Like when I had to perform in America for the first time, it was a very different experience because their style of comedy and mm. uh, is very different to Australians. So yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a, it's a weird thing to sort of have to. Cons- cons- like consistently sort of check like oh which culture and like what is going on and how do I yeah yeah with that especially performing as well so
1: I have a go at my dad sometimes I'm just like oh you're being so English or like, so, like that's so <laughs> English of them and I'm like it's not it's I feel like I'm okay to say it because well he my parents are English and my family is English so I, I know that you know but it's just like oh it's so English and you can't even I can't I could probably articulate it better but you know, it's just this this sort of way of being, and I was just like, "That's such an English way to do something!" Like, stop it. Totally. totally. Uh, and then, you know, probably vice versa. But Dad gets really annoyed, even though he probably has quite an Australian accent now. But uh, the way Australians we go up, is it? I just upper it.
2: inflection. Is it? Yeah. Is it? <laughs> are we asking a question or are we making a statement? Does yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> just we're talking um, that's a real queensland thing though to be fair
1: yeah probably yeah it's, um, <laughs> and then you know yeah going where ours don't differ as much as other places but uh i visited germany a number of times and it was funny with when the first time i went my friend i remember he really had to like hold my hand to sort of through the through the customs and the yep. interact especially dining it's very, it's very polite, Jim's very polite. And so, mm-hmm. you know, don't order food without saying please or thank you. And they so I feel like we smell like bitter and like,
2: Yeah, you sort of have to be like that. The same thing that surprised me was that um, like Germans aren't very open to letting anyone into their homes. Like it's such a weird thing because, you know, if you're here in Australia, it's like you have a barbecue and you're like, yeah, come on over, no worries. And you're like showing people your bathroom. You're like, yeah, (laughs) you know, there's a shitter down there. Like, you know, that stuff. Whereas uh, what I found sort of in Germany was that people can be a little bit more, they're a bit more reserved. And the same thing actually trying to make friends german friends in germany it was very difficult because um they are a little bit more like standoffish and uh and a lot of them don't make friends with german, uh, with like foreigners because they know that they're not going to be around for a very long time so they sort of also very like keep my distance like kind of stuff as well because you know they don't want to get hurt oh oh
1: the delicate sensibilities oh wow yeah. t- didn't know that um yeah. Yeah, it's probably it does reflect my friend's experience too, though. Though he is German and he's a, the co-host, so he'll probably do a little summary at the start, which would be quite funny. He'll be like, "Everything you said was wrong," <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. It's not. It's true. But he probably yeah. did have the same experience of, and he's like an insider but outside of it. You know, like yeah. he was German but hadn't spent majority. He has now, probably half half, but the majority of his life was spent Australia. So, he really had to like. Mm they probably had the same feelings like oh, we'll be friends with you but are you, are you gonna stick around or yeah I think
2: that's sort of it. a lot of people have that feeling too like you know when you make friends with someone you're like oh like I don't want to get too emotionally attached because if I know you're only here for a short time like on a tourist visa or something I don't know if I'm you know.
1: that's a, that's maybe where Australians difficult. We are quite depending on the city but you are yeah. quite because Sydney and Melbourne are different in there Sydney's such a transient city and it is such a like people come from all over the place that Sort of would be like, oh, I'll be your friend. And whereas in Melbourne, I found because I lived in Melbourne for three years, I found that it was all based on schools. Like, so yeah. it was where, who, you know, and I was very fortunate to have met people overseas that I got very close to who brought me into their clique and brought me into their school group. So when I lived there, I sort of just got included. But mm. a lot of people in Melbourne, so they found it hard and ended up either it was people who'd lived in Melbourne or people Mm. who were from other places that had kind of come together as the outsiders. Yeah,
2: and I I definitely totally agree with that because, like, I'm still friends with a lot of my high school friends and I, like, we sort of hang out. And it's Melbourne is very, very, very clicky, and not just in terms of friendship circles but also with work Mm. and everything like that. Like, to be able to get work, you need to know someone in Melbourne. And so, you know, I lived in Melbourne for five or six years before I moved to Germany, and I remember I was on the tram one day and I saw a bunch of, like, Spanish and Italian backpackers. And I was like, where do they hang out? Like, yeah. Why, like, why do I why do I never see these people? And I know they're here. But, like, and yeah. it was just such a weird thing because you're just so in your clique and, um, you know, the same thing like growing up high school and university. It was like you had your friendship group, but then you might have like a token British person or a token <laughs> like your token foreigner that you would just adopt for a little bit and then they'll leave and then you'll get an, like it was it's very 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 clicky and that's also what I hated too because it also fed into like the comedy scene and into mm. the performing arts and stuff as well so
1: and we did we did get to see a different side maybe sort of like yeah the Melbourne comedians is a bit different but like the beauty mm. of having the International Comedy Festival was that you did get to be exposed to totally.
0: so many different
1: We probably should say how we know each other um yeah we just talked to that before we're like you know it's one of those things where you're like you just in my life I know yeah you.
2: you've been there for so long it's like yeah. who
1: like where how do, how, do how do we meet well and now from so many avenues I guess but originally totally. promo we were promo yeah. people
2: we're promo models we're <laughs> models just gonna <laughs> put it out
1: there. hashtag um <laughs> what was that? You could always be a model Was that yeah. what's he seen part of the concourse
2: Oh, um, oh, I can't remember. Yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: like a second-rate model type thing. Yeah, um, that's much. what we were. Um, but yes, no, we worked on that, and then we happened to bump into each other at the comedy festival, where I yeah. discovered that Eleanor has all these talents that I didn't know about. She's an incredible singer, thank you, which she included in one of her shows. Um, yeah, like you first, saw
2: the shuffle show. The shuffle you? show was
1: probably the yeah. first one I saw. I was like, um, I know Grant. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> How do you know each other? And yes. it was brilliant. And uh, singing, dancing, comedy.
2: Yeah, I and think that's still one of, up there with one of my favorite shows I've ever done. It oh. was like super fun.
1: And then we Talk had one it. year where we just yeah, I just we ended up hanging out with Lauren Bock and just kind of and Cat Commander yeah. and just had like a little click. And we just had every day. It was like, yeah. what's happened today? Like, <laughs> give me the goss. Like, who, yeah, because Melbourne Comedy Festival is an incestuous pit of
2: hookups. Yes, it is. And I I think that was the last time I... Did the comedy festival was back in 2016, and that was when I was like hooking up with another comedian, and then I'm pretty sure who he hooked up with, someone like one of my friends. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's just like, and everyone at the at the festival club, like, which is where all the comedians hang out, they're all just like there, like looking around, like a for someone more important, or b like someone they can hook up with. So it's like it's such a like just oh like the the pheromones and hormones and everything gone. But c are you...
1: dodging the people that you did hook up. With with what you don't want to see again although I didn't have that
2: too much thank god but I know there's a couple of friends friends of ours that did that I was like oh god
1: I just never knew what was going on with what and like just the just you know it was was like um days of our lives you know Mm, but mm. as well our body clocks completely switched like and yours is probably still off or well not it might be better now that you're at home for all but that's kind of the performing and I'm, I must explain I'm not a performer, I'm on the promotion side of things, so I was doing publicity <laughs> and things, but uh, I was going to a lot of shows and you finish up watching shows or being in shows for some people at 1am.
2: Yeah. So you don't start Especially it's worse in Edinburgh. Like I think Melbourne at least sort of finished at a certain kind of time and then you just dance for the rest of the night. But I was doing a show in Edinburgh years ago that finished at 2.30 in the morning and then by the time like we, I like got dressed and then like went to the artist bar it was already like six o'clock in the morning and you know before like, even like it would be like 3 30 before I'd have my first drink like my first dream too and then I'd be walking home at like eight o'clock in the morning the sun rises and then it was oh god night shift I was like I, I don't know if I can like this is too much
1: oh I, I, I just that's why I went because <gasps> uh, we, we were there I saw you there I was traveling In 2014 and I came to Edinburgh for a bit and you were in the the show with um, Boo and... Boo and Nay Bacchanalia,
2: yeah. That was my first proper time doing the Fringe in a show and that was like, yeah, that was just crazy. But it was an an incredible experience because I got to work with like um, people, so many amazing performers like Stephen K. Amos and um, and obviously like Boo and Nay and Mickey D and like all these incredible performers that I like like oh my god and then even like Chris Turner you know Chris Turner mm-hmm. um he's an incredible rapper uh like improv rapper like tall white guy and he's in LA now and he's like killing it and he did our show recently and it's just like so amazing that I can still like from my Edinburgh days and comedy festival days I still meet up with all these people and like from all in all different parts of the world oh, and sure. still yeah it's like amazing I well that was it.
1: six years ago like that we and I remember it was like I just I didn't even know I was far I also know the artist life so I didn't really reach out to anybody because um it is such an intense time and then when I got there like five people including you were like uh, why don't you just come stay with me and I was like oh damn it <laughs> I just didn't like, I stayed in a hostel which I made an amazing Nepalese friend there but um yeah. uh, it was just yeah you, I came for four days and that was. A lot. So,
2: know. yeah, a month. I mean, I through, was lucky with that year. I think we did the show. um It was just Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday, but mainly just four days. And then the next year, I went back with Shuffle Show, which was. Every day doing that show, which is so energetic and so vocally mm. demanding, uh, it was like I didn't do anything. I literally slept, went into the show, came home, flyered, and then came home. Like it was no, and yeah, that was it.
1: And that's another <laughs> part of it: it's the flyering and the promoting and the
2: and the it's hills the and, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and the cold weather and like it's you know you feel like, but at the end of it, you just feel like you've run a marathon and you feel so good. And uh yeah, that's what I miss about that was just, but then. Then, you know, 2018 was like doing Edinburgh but every single day and travelling every day. So it was like, you know, I think that's what I'm enjoying now is the downtime from the last two and a half years. And so like, and then like everything comes up, like you get all these emotions and you get all mm. this like stuff happening because your body's stopped and you, you start to process everything. So it's, um yeah, it's actually quite good. I know coronavirus is horrible and it's causing havoc across the world, but um, for some people I think it's actually a time to stop and think and, like just be in the, in the moment.
1: Oh, for sure, and it's um, you know, travel is certainly addictive. I mean, you're you have a real purpose with it, obviously, because you're doing it for the show. But like, yeah. there is obviously an element of enjoyment, I'm sure, too. Um, oh, totally, going and seeing new places and being in new cultures and all that sort of thing. So for me, I just I kind of realised during this time I have a minor case of FOMO, yeah. and I but I also have the flexibility and the means to uh, feed my FOMO. So I don't have to miss out most of the time because I can be places and work still. So yeah. I would just go. So it would be like, do you want to come here? Like, yes. Do you want to go to Sydney today or Melbourne today or Nepal today or America? And I'm just like, sure. So yeah. for me, it's been a nice time because there is no FOMO. There's nothing happening.
2: I'm not missing anything. <laughs> like, no.
1: So but it's just that taking that into the future, like how do you take some of this peace and calm and space into, um, though in saying that travel gives me space too because when you're travelling you might find it as well, you don't really know that many people sometimes in the places that you are so you can be on your own schedule and I do get a lot of I get a lot of downtime or just thinking time or whatever in the tra- in the travel itself, being on a plane or looking out the window of a train or a bus, I like that time to kind of wander yeah. in my mind.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think for me travelling is um, it's a fine line between sort of like happiness and, and really being like loving it to also like elements of escapism because I know like there's, you know, Always for me, growing up, it was like I want to get out. I want to get out. I like, and I'm constantly running, and that's always a thing. But, um, but when I travel, I feel like I'm a different person. I feel, I feel like my true self. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because you don't have to be the daughter. You don't have to be the sister. You don't have to be the mother. Like you don't fall into the You don't. You're not like oh, the director of a company, or you're not like work. Like you don't have to pay bills. Like everything just like just separates and you just you know you are your own true self and that's what I love the most about traveling mm-hmm. but on the flip side of that is that you know you can also from traveling every single day is that that can have negative effects as well because you are so um how do I put it like you're so detached from reality and you're so like, you know, you're living from what I would say to my friends is like, you just never feel grounded Mm. because you're consistently moving. Um, And so you sort of have to try and evaluate like, you know, obviously like travel and if you're going for like a week or two weeks, that's great because it's, you know, but when you're doing it long-term or for work, it's like, how do you maintain the sort of reality of life in something that is so amazing and so beautiful but also can have that kind of effect as well where you're not attached to anything
1: yeah and I remember when I used to live in when I lived in England when I was 18 I was sort of doing the gap year thing but um without the extremeness of it because I have a British passport so I knew I could always go back or I could stay as long as I wanted but there was Mm. lots of people doing the two-year thing and one person once said to me they were like um it's like monopoly money like life here is like you know it's like monopoly like it's just you know, just I can do whatever I want and then I'll kind of go back to my life. And it's like just, I guess just put that two year box you know into a into a drawer and close it. And I'm like, uh nah, it kind of this is your life, it's just your current life. And the things that you do now will still be something that you've done. Like you can't just but there was very much that mentality of just mm-hmm. and unfortunately sometimes you see that in Europe with the Australians traveling. It's just like it is, it's just pretend life. I can do whatever I want I'm so far from home and it's like yeah. mm, no actions will have implications later it's I believe it's a chapter but so a lot of people use that and I know some of those people now still and they really did just use that time to get it all out and mm. then they went back to their hometown and carried on with life and it was just a yeah. sort of crazy blip chapter and I'm like
2: no (laughs) yeah and it's also like some people are just naturally more like you know they don't like moving a lot they like being you know in the one place and they like you know it's like the hunter hunter and gatherer and you know that kind of thing like you know and and there was always some humans that kept on walking like Mm. back you know back in the neanderthal days like there was ones that just kept on traveling and there was some that just settled and they're like i'm gonna stay here and you know just some people are more like I don't know they're more inclined and more drawn to a life of travel and consistently moving but as I get older I'm starting to realize that yeah like you sort of need to you need to have a home base and you need Mm. to have that kind of stuff as well because that's what I didn't have so.
1: Yeah and finding where that is is sometimes that takes time, and it's um, you know, and you, it can be like an overnight thing. You know, it's like I I I had every intention of living in Melbourne. I had moved finally moved all my stuff down there. That was in 2013, and yeah. then it's just all all did like a series of events. I was in Europe. My friend told me about these grants for buying property in Tasmania, so I started to look at Tasmania. My dad at the same time bought a new place with two bedrooms, where he'd have been living, or it was like a bigger house type thing that. I was like, oh, I could actually stay there and save money and buy a house and then get this grant and then actually kind of... And so, like, just overnight I went, oh, I'm not going to live in Melbourne anymore I'm going to move back to Sydney to save to buy a house, which then turned into I found out about Queensland being a good place to kind of buy houses and reasonable prices, not Sydney prices, and um, that happened. And then I actually ended up, my partner got a job up here in Queensland We moved here, (laughs) you know, so... Like life could just change, and where I was like loving my Melbourne life, loving going out and traveling from there too. And I just like that was the place that I decided was the base. Yeah. It, it changes.
2: It's, it definitely does. And for me, it's like you sort of, I don't know, there's like so many times where I'm like, oh, I feel home here, I feel home here. But it's, um I think that's also when you just travel so much and you keep going to new places. You're like, oh my God, this place is so cool. I'm Amazing. <laughs> You're
1: like... And so, it's probably a very tough question considering you go to like 65 countries in one. How, so what's your total now? Do you?
2: Um, I think it's still, I think it's like 60s. Uh, in terms of shows of, like um, countries that I've been to and performed in, I want to say I think it's like 67 or 68 I think. Yeah. Um, and in terms of like countries that I've visited, I think it's like 70, maybe 75 or 70, yeah, something like that. So, yeah, there's like there's a lot but uh yeah performed in is probably the one that I sort of count more um because it's like you you get a chance to like entertain these people in these places so
1: yeah so it's very hard tough question. so you might need to have (laughs) a top three or a up there but what would what's your favorite
2: country favorite country I think the one I always um come back to is uh, South Africa. I, like, loved South Africa and Kenya uh, for the people and for I think it's just the feeling of um, of being in Africa. And, like, we've done, we did shows in Morocco and we did shows in Egypt as well. And, I mean, they both had their own kind of feel to them, but there was just something about the people in South Africa and Kenya and just, like, this Feeling of the land was like something that you know, I know it sounds like wanky, <laughs> and stuff, but it, it just was like there's just so much, um, you know, it's such a divide, and there's there is like that element of danger, especially in places like Johannesburg. Mm. And you know, you sort of I was it was never on my list of places to go, like you know, just because you grew up in the 90s, being like, oh, South Africa is really dangerous, and you know, after the apartheid and everything like that. But when you sort of go there and you meet the people, and you know, obviously, there is risks of um, like the the guy that we uh, was our venue manager in Johannesburg at this little theatre. We were like to him, we're like, "Have you been mugged before?" And he's like, "He's like, yeah, like oh, about six or seven times. Once with a knife, once with a gun." And we're like, "And we're like, where?" And he's like, "Oh, just outside." And I'm like, oh, "Okay." Like, but it was just, um, yeah, the people and everything were just so incredible, and we got to see a lot of South Africa, um, Durban, Port Elizabeth. Uh, Pretoria, Johannesburg and then obviously Cape Town as well and then the same thing in, in Kenya and it's just the people are just so uh, lovely and just so happy for you to be there and to share in their kind of thing and you know it's like this weird kind of feeling of um, it feels almost like uh, it's such a new country and I don't know if you feel this about when you go to places like um Berlin, or like places that you know in the early 90s, they sort of just came into independence. Mm. Same thing with Estonia and the Baltic states after the fall of the USSR, the Soviets. So, it they have this sort of energy about them. Same, I felt it in Ukraine as well, like in Kiev. It was like, it was like this, like we're, we're here, we're young. And I I really feel like countries have an age, kind of like mm. the same thing when you go to Italy, they're like, you know, Italians, like the Roman Emperor, like the Roman Empire, they they were so been around for so long they own so much that they sort of have like this like oh no worry we don't have to do anything now because (laughs) like kind of thing and the same with the Brits it's like oh you know like we're just tired we're just back here doing Mm -hmm. thing and then you get these countries that have this newfound freedom and it's it's just so infectious and such an amazing feeling of this youthful energy that comes through from these countries.
1: Yeah for sure I I felt that in um, Budapest and in Hungary and like you know they're Finding, really finding their feet, I guess in terms of yeah. their you know that country's been like owned and dominated and owned and dominated and then it was part of here and then it's part of there and they're like but now yeah. we're hungry and we're yeah. us and yeah no that's that's really cool and um you, it is if you had gone to I went to South Africa in 2008 um yeah. so had you gone I think it would have gone in the past yeah it would have been different but I found it, yeah, I found it very light and breezy and... Um, you just have to be careful.
2: Yeah. Like it's like the thing where, you know, people are like, oh, you know, oh, it's like it's dangerous, it's like not safe there and it's like, yeah, like, you can but if you are safe about it and you are like you know looking out for yourself and not making stupid decisions like you know going out and getting drunk and then just walking home alone or stuff like that like obviously you're going to be a target but you know you got to keep your wits about you and be you know super safe and we've um we've been in some pretty like dangerous countries and some pretty precarious situations <laughs> where we probably should have put ourselves in um but we were just safe about it and we mm. made sure that we were you know Looking after ourselves and our safety, and and yeah,
1: I think it's a bit it's of an fine. intuition and stuff about that as well. And I was fortunate to be in in South Africa with a family, but then actually I yeah. got to see a different side. And I must say that it probably hasn't changed a lot, sadly. But there is this sort of overt racism, and like I'm not one to comment on it because I don't live in it. But it was just like, yeah. oh, oh, you just said that, okay, um, right, and just. You know, they've, what they've lived through, it's um, so it's much crazy. backstory to it. And I just was like, and there's times where I saw people mixing really well and it was lovely and spent time with, with people from all different backgrounds and different, you know, but then there were other times where it was like, oh, no, there is a very clear divide of,
2: of you guys. And I was like, okay. Yeah, it's it's harder. And I saw that doing the shows there. And also the, the most frustrating thing for me was like I you just can't walk you just can't go outside and walk. Oh, no, you
1: have to be driven, yeah.
2: And, you know, um, so we had an amazing comedian come on tour with us, um, Gili Abdur, and she's South African comedian um, from Johannesburg and she came to Europe and it just for her, to, like, she was just walking out, like, when we were in Brussels one day and we are just walking and she's like, this is so weird that I'm just able to walk like she's like I just and she just walked like for hours every day and I'm like what did you do today she's like I just went on a walk for like five hours I'm like what what are you doing she's like it just because I'm always in my car in South Africa yeah. and you know and so there's little things like that and in Pretoria and some of the places for me I really saw that kind of not so much racism, it's just ingrained in their culture that people don't really mix with other cultures. Mm. So when we did the show in Pretoria, we had like, you know, I'd look out into the audience and there'd be a table of Indian people. There'd be a table of uh, African, uh, South Africans. And then there was a table of the white South Africans. And then, um, so it was like, everyone was just in their mm. own pocket. And, um, but there's just so much history. And, you know, we went to, um, the apartheid museum and it was absolutely incredible. And, uh, um, a lot of history that I didn't even know, like a lot of slaves were brought over from India. Um, so there's a lot of actual, like as a big Indian. Um, I'm pretty sure that's right. It's like I'm from Malaysia as well. So there's like a whole kind of mm. history that people don't really know about, about South Africa and it's fascinating. It's, yeah, really
1: for sure. And, and there's not, you can't, I, wrote a, I remember running a blog about it and somebody getting like commenting because it was about like how confronting some of it was and, and so they were like, oh, you should call it out you should address that, and I'm like, I would just love to be claw on the wall when you had that conversation and tried to call someone out on that. On, you know, I think sometimes you have to be an observer and you have to maybe take time to reflect upon that and, like, change may need to happen, but mm-hmm. it is not for you to walk in as an outsider, in the, you know, in the first few days and be like, oh, sir, you shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> like, yeah. that is not going to go down well. <laughs> uh, you have there, there is my... From my tour leading days, my thing is always to people, and even I take the same approach. Even if I'm traveling with a new friend, I say, "Just can we just remember that it might seem different, and it might not be the way we do things, but like sometimes that's different. That's culture. It's you have to appreciate it, and you have to just you can't just walk in and be like take your own worldview and place it onto what what you're experiencing."
2: Um, Yeah, definitely. I think that's the number one rule of, of travel is to just respect people and their cultures. Be
1: patient, you know, and sometimes let things kind of, you, you figure it out or if you ask the backstory, okay, understand how that's happening or whatever, um, you know, don't copy if somebody's abusing you. It's probably, probably not pretty nice. But, um, <laughs> you know, but just yeah. maybe observe a little bit sometimes. <music> you know, again, you may not want to say, and there's always different reasons for this, but um, yeah. what is your least favourite country you don't hate it your least favourite or somewhere that you're not rushing to go back to
2: um oh there's a couple where um I don't think it's not my least favourite country I think um I would need to I think I'd need to go back in a different uh way but that would be India because I like I really like I love the people in India I love and like I have so many people from India messaging me every day being like, we love your, like your stuff. And and when are you coming back? And like, it was, it was again, one of those countries where it's like so fascinating and you hear, you know, a lot of these like white girls, like I went to India and it was absolutely amazing. And <laughs> I went on this like five-star yoga retreat and that's all I did. And you have that in your mind where you're like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, you think that's what it's going to be. And I think the biggest thing for me was just being such an independent woman and going. And I've spoken to my friend who's Indian and talking to her about it. And I just said, I just found it so uh, difficult to switch back into a very submissive role and, um, you know, not being acknowledged. And the same thing when we did our shows, we had a lot more men in the audience. Um, so, which our show is more directed at women and uh, and I really hope this doesn't come off as like uh kind of that I don't like Indian like the country or India or Indian people it's just it was just such a different thing for me to experience the same thing going through security the airport was like separate men separate women and just yeah not being acknowledged like going to a restaurant just like not being acknowledged at all and um I think yeah that was the one that I think not i don't hate it i i want to go back and i want to do it so that you know um i have a good experience and i have that kind of thing and also like we're exhausted we traveled like mm-hmm. you know kind of stuff so there's those kind of things too that mar my experience because it's like i was so exhausted i just flown in from africa and it's like you just thrown into mumbai and you know just got, like it was it was a lot so that's one that i think uh I would really like to go back and, and kind of experience in a better way.
1: Well, I would always be happy to go with you because it is, uh, you probably know my favourite, but, um, yes. but I'm the first one. <laughs> See, like it's
2: your favourite and it's like, it's my like sort of, le- not oh, my favourite, but like.
1: No, I'm the first one to say that to people, like, people sometimes love it or they hate it. Um, mm. It's very confronting, like the book. Holy cow is such a brilliant. Um, if you haven't read it, it's, a, it's brilliant. Oh, Holy I should cow. read it. Yeah, Sarah. I cannot think of her last name, but Holy Cow is oh, very okay. famous. Yeah, um, brilliant book because she went there and she was she never wanted to go back ever. And then her partner got a job, and so they had to go back right. and that sort of thing. But I guess I've had it. I had a very fortunate experience. The first time I went, I went with a conference. I was the daughter mm-hmm. of a businessman, so I was treated like this is the daughter of a businessman, you take care of her. I was seventeen as well, so like take care of this this girl and literally treated like a princess. My first time, I stayed in a palace in Udaipur. I wanted to ride right. an elephant, so they brought an elephant to the palace so that
2: I could ride right. it. Was that <laughs> in New Delhi? Where was
1: that? No, uh, Udaipur is in Rajasthan, so it's like it's it's still where all the like regal states are. Like I met the Maharana, mm. like the king. Um, oh my God. He's still like the if they're figurehead and they still really look up to him and he, they've done it so well they've basically turned these palaces into businesses, which is super smart. Right. But, yeah. you know, I got literally everything I could have asked for and saw that be, like really beautiful side. So I was yeah. quite put into that bubble. Um And then subsequently when I went back as well, I went to visit the people I'd met. And so, again, I was really taken care of. And I spent time with very, very cosmopolitan indian people however there's still like 100 percent this um oh, there is so much complexity to india and there's so much diversity to it. mumbai you've been thrown in the mix like i would yes. generally tell people like maybe just <laughs> ease into india but india is just like uh sorry mumbai is like like yeah hello hello um Hello India. Hello, India. Well, we <laughs> did,
2: um, we did, uh, Pune, Goa and Hyderabad as well. And so it was, those places were very interesting as well because yeah, it was, it's, it, it was interesting to be on stage and something, not so much in Mumbai, cause it's obviously more cosmopolitan and we had a very different audience in Mumbai than we did in Hyderabad and Goa. Like Goa it was very, there was a lot of expats, you know, like be mm-hmm. kind of artist people. Um, but then when we we're in Um, uh, Pune and Hyderabad it was very much more like an Indian audience and a lot of them were very much men and when I got on stage to talk you know the men would get up and walk out or they would you know start drinking and talking to their friends and start smoking and there was there was just no respect for like me on stage in the in the and those shows anyway and it was um yeah it was a very just a very interesting experience so different.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, I've had, I've, you know, been in the airport ordering something at a cafe, and the, the man has just walked up in front of me and started saying his order. And I'm like, Do you not see me? Like, yeah. I'm pretty big and I'm pretty, I stand out. Like, I've got blonde hair, blue eyes. Like, I stand out in India. I'm like, yeah. Hello? And then he just continued. And like, me and the server had to be like, No, no, sir, so stop. And there's other times where the same things happen, but the server mm-hmm. has just stopped serving me and just started serving the person. And yeah. you're like, oh okay this is i mean i've learnt, built up a lot of tolerance and patience but there's other yeah. times where i'm just like not today <laughs> not today and i have a few uh hindi words up in my belt so i um, right pull those out of there that's a good top tip but uh um no but and that's it travel is ugh, so personal and each definitely there's so many factors that go into it and i think sometimes as well you know the same with you maybe like but Sometimes it's a relief when I don't, like, love places because I love so many places. So sometimes it's like, cool, I've been here, I've seen it, I've experienced it. Not for me. Uh, I'm going to go on to the next place and maybe at another time in life I'll come back. But if I don't, that's cool. Like, yeah, the world is just, there's too many blazes that it yeah, it's not going to suit
2: everybody. Oh, of course. And like, you know, even now it's like, you know, I'm I'm very grateful that I was able to go to all these places that I never thought I would go to. Like I was watching with my mom the other day, we were watching something about ancient Egypt and they had planned a trip this year to go mm. to Cairo and I was going to go and meet them there and we'd do it. And I've already seen the pyramids and it was just like really upsetting because it's something that my parents wanted to see. And they were like oh well, I guess we'll you know we'll never get there now. And I was like, oh like cause it is such like even though like you know I did love the the uh, the pyramids and everything like that, and again, in Cairo, I had a very interesting experience in terms of being a woman, and uh you know I was <laughs> I had probably a bit too much information, but um all about that, I had my period in um I got it in Egypt, and I didn't have any tampons, and I was like what do I do? And because it's a Muslim country, you don't, you know, like they don't wear tampons. So oh. I had to go into this like uh pharmacy with literally like six, like Egyptian old men, like, you know, smoking, and mm. right? they're like fat and they're sitting there and they just stared at me walking in. And of course I don't speak Arabic or anything. So I was like, I was like pads, tampons. And I was like, trying, like, with mine. I was, like yelling at them mm. and, um, And you know, like I like as I walked in, there's this big thing of condoms, just like, you know, condoms, like, and I was like, okay. And then he's like, okay, come with me. And so we walk, like, we go back like into the far, far corner of this pharmacy. And he opens this like little cupboard right at the (sighs) bottom in the corner, pulls out like Maxi pads, like I'm talking, like mm-hmm. this shit that you would wear like a nappy, and then just like blows dust off it. He's like, <laughs> and he's like here, and I was like, oh, do you have any tampons? And he's like, no, just this. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I had to buy these like massive, di- and then luckily this American girl came to the show, and I was like, and I just like I whispered to her, I'm like. Psst do you have any tampons? And she's like, yeah, of course. Like my mom sends them to me all the time. And she's like, meet me here tomorrow. And so I met her and then she like, you know, opened a coat, and she's like, all right, I got, she got a bag. She's like, I've got, I've got maxi, I've got regular. I've got a <laughs> so we're like standing on this street corner in Cairo where I had to like, you know, do this illegal kind of thing. Oh and, and, my get some tampons and stuff from her. So yeah, I think that one was the same kind of feeling as well, where it was like, I love the country, but sometimes just dealing with men was a little bit um, frustrating.
1: Yeah, look, our females, females travelling is a it, is it completely, gosh, really mm-hmm. a topic within itself. So, totally. But I have kept you uh, for quite some time, so I'm going to wrap up with you. But um, we will put in the show notes uh, links to your wonderful podcast and your Instagram and you have a special uh, that you've made.
2: Yeah, so we are selling our comedy special. So it's like an hour-long, basically our full show of Story Party and it includes like audience stories, includes our unreleased stories and also some songs and some stuff as well. So it's like a whole little neat little hour comedy special package. So we're selling that as well to get us through lockdown so that hopefully we can tour when, we, when all this is
1: over. that's super exciting well I hope you're uh doing a bit of what I'm doing and catching up on the old uh, photo sorting and
2: uh yeah. the
1: admin that never gets to happen while you're on the road so totally use our time well like you know as well I'm sure you're like writing a book and doing all those things and being super productive yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Lockdown <laughs> productivity. I mean, the fact that we made this meeting
2: today—I think that's, that's a win for the week. So. I was good. It was it was great. And thank you so much for chatting. And uh, yeah, I love talking travel with you. It's so much fun.
0: Thanks, Emma and Eleanor, for that great episode. Uh, join us next week when we um, talk about our time in the UK and our travels there. Um, Also, remember to like and subscribe to us on um, Spotify and iTunes. Um, Visit us, lovelytravels.com. Write to us, info at lovelytravels.com. Instagram at lovelytravels.com. Just Google Lovely Travels and you will find us. Uh, Yeah. See you soon.